0: Ah, And we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch it live, head over to takesbyfans.com slash watch. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, IR Radio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Wednesday, folks. Week 15 has finally wrapped up in the NFL with the two, thir- or two Tuesday night games from last night, so we'll break down those games quickly, talk about them. Uh, but we got to get into our Wednesday film study. And, you know, we're starting to get, you know, at the back end, folks. The last four weeks started this week, folks. Three more weeks, three more games for all the teams. No more bye weeks. I believe last week was the, uh, you know, two weeks ago would have been the last week for the bye. This week, uh, week 15 was the first week with no more byes. So everybody's playing every week to fight for those last couple of playoff spots. Here. So, you know, with our Wednesday film study, we're keeping tabs on some of these playoff teams. We got Patriots, Colts. Those are definitely playoff teams. Uh, we're looking at Cowboys, Giants. Cowboys are a playoff team. Giants, we know are not. Bengals, Broncos. I mean, we're going to be looking at something from that, folks. And uh, yeah, those are kind of right in the thick of it. Playoff teams all fighting for those wildcard spots. We got Packers and Ravens looking at kind of the Ravens. We're going to watch Tyler Huntley, folks. Is he as impressive as Lamar Jackson? Ravens moving forward once again in the playoff hunt are they going to have Lamar Jackson we'll see we'll talk about this game then we got Saints and Bucks and yeah once again playoff contenders so everybody we're kind of looking at in our Wednesday film study is going to help us um, uh, decide are these kind of Playoff contenders, playoff pretenders, Super Bowl contenders, and uh, like we said, these last four weeks, these last four games of the season are truly gonna tell us all we need to know who's legitimate. This season's been absolutely crazy with everybody kind of up and down, everybody like hovering around six, seven, eight wins. Everybody, uh, we I don't think there's been this much competitiveness, this much closeness in the playoff picture this late in the season, so uh, it's up for grabs. It's honestly all up for grabs, and we've got to see the consistency, and we've got to see the greatness come through these last four weeks, so we're using this Wednesday film study to help us through that. And then we got our NBA Daily 10, and we'll talk all that through. Um, yeah, so let's just um, kick off the show and get it started here. Let's start with our NBA Daily 10. Let's get 10 minutes on the clock here in the next 10 minutes uninterrupted basketball talk of what just happened yesterday in the NBA. We've got the 10 minutes on the clock in the 10 minutes starts right now. Alrighty, a handful of games on in the NBA last night, and also another postponed game and another postponed game today. I believe the Raptors game is officially getting postponed. So the COVID outbreak in the NBA is still going strong, unfortunately. So no Wizards Nets last night, unfortunately, canceled. But let's talk about the games that were played last night. And let's start here with the Pacers at the Heat. And the Heat blow out the Pacers 125-96. Once again, no Jimmy Butler, no Bam Bio for the Heat. And leave it up to the Pacers to lose to this Heat team. Now, we know the Heat team has rallied off some really solid wins here without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in the starting lineup here, but um, you know, it, you shouldn't be. You should not be losing to a team that doesn't have kind of their top two players on a team. And that goes for any team. Doesn't matter. That's not a good look for anybody, and especially given what this Pacers team is, never beating anybody good or decent. Another not good look for this Pacers team overall. You've got to do something. I, like, you You've got to blow up the Pacers, but what's blowing up the Pacers? There's really nobody good on this team anyway. It's not like they're beholden to any great superstars. Yes, you have Sabonis, but is he even in superstar, all-star level territory of talking? I don't think so. So I don't know what the Pacers are doing, but we know they're not good. Uh, let's start here with the heat since they got the win. Well we had Duncan Robinson uh, and Tyler hero both lead the team with 26 big old points and that's big for Duncan Robinson back at the four here six of ten from three and we've seen him you know step up. For the most part, without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo for that, uh, our kind of thinking overall on Duncan Robinson has kind of increased. He's truly impressing me in this uh, kind of uh, shorthanded stretch. So for that, uh, Duncan Robinson getting some bonus points here at Takes by Fans and, uh, you know, getting on, uh, you know, just uh, uh, getting, I don't want to say getting on our good side, but you know, we take every game, every game into account here and actively weigh players, what they're doing good, and on our overall scale of how we feel about players. So, Duncan Robinson is increasing in that aspect. So, we give that man credit. 26.6 of 10 from the three, and then Tyler, Tyler Hero playing off the bench in only 21 minutes. Even when, you know, playing shorthanded, Tyler Hero could have played like 40 minutes, but. They keep him to only 120 only 221 minutes last night 26 points 5 assists We had Kyle Lowry uh, very close to the triple double: eight points, 12 assists, 11 rebounds. Fantastic night. And then Max Druss, again, folks, in the starting lineup at the 3, 18 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists. I mean, another kind of next-man-up mentality for Max Druss, and he's been dominant without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. So, uh, Duncan Robinson, Max Druss, big, big, big credit to them for this uh, nice stretch here of this Heat winning games without their main players. And then for the Pacers, Sabonis shot 4 of 11 from the field. 12 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Leading score was Karis Levert with 17 points. And then also Chris Duarte coming off the bench with 17 points. It's just, there's nothing deep here. They don't have that superstar. We know the Pacers are trash. And they got blown out to the heat last night, 125-96. All right, next game up is the Pistons at the Knicks, and the Knicks win, and guess how they win, folks? They bring Kemba Walker back into the starting lineup, and they just don't bring this man back. They move that man into the starting lineup. They're like, yeah, we made a little bit of a mistake, uh, kind of... um, Kicking Kemba Walker out of the lineup in the rotation and everything, we kind of need him back because we're losing without him. And they have him back in there; they win the game. Now, you know we don't like Kemba Walker in the starting lineup, but he does result in the win, so that we cannot knock. You know we know over the last uh, it has it been a full month? I don't think so. Maybe two, three, almost maybe four weeks of Kemba Walker not playing at all for the Knicks. And they were struggling to win. And then they bring him back into the starting lineup. He has 21 points, five assists, eight rebounds shot. Okay. You know, that's the one thing that we don't love about Kemba Walker is, you know, he's taking kind of the second most shots. And we don't really want that to be his game for this Knicks team. Kemba Walker, three of nine from the three. That's solid. But then also only 38% from the field on 21 shots. That's not so great, okay? So Kemba Walker, I guess we can't knock it too much. They're winning games. We give that man credit. And then Evan Fournier also had a good game. He led the team in scoring with 22 points, 4 of 11 from 3, and he took the most shots, 24 shots, and we need Evan Fournier to be more aggressive. So uh, the two guards got it done for the Knicks, and we know that's their biggest kind of... Uh, flaw of the overall team. Julius Randle also put up 21 points on 11 rebounds off the bench. uh, Mitchell Robinson with 17 big old points and 14 bigger rebounds, a plus 24 on the floor, and was a huge reason why they ended up winning the game last night. So we'll see how long Kemba Walker stays active for this Knicks team, but they're winning games with them. And then for the Pistons, once again, nothing good. Jeremy Grant not playing again. And uh, the leading scorer was Saban Lee off the bench bench with 15 points. Sadiq Bey, also 15 points. Not going to get it done. Not going to be enough. We know there's nothing great with the Pistons. Knicks get the win 105-91. Alright, next game up here, Blazers at the Pelicans, and the uh, Pelicans hold on to win, or not even hold on to win, they just win, uh, 111-97 over the Blazers here, once again, the Blazers must blow it up, Damian Lillard did his thing, 39 points, 7 assists, shooting 6 of 11 from 3, all that is fantastic, but they still lose the game, Norman Powell had a solid uh, performance as well, 16 points, 4 rebounds, Nurchich down low, 17 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds but then other than that just nothing good Larry Nance jr 10 points it was solid but it's just we need a little bit more 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 by this Blazers team in clutchness in defense and all that and this is the worst this Blazers team has looked over the last three four years and it's been like the same team over the last three four years so nothing great by this Blazers team they must blow it up and I am kind of hoping that Damian Lillard gets traded even though that the Blazers are kind of you know digging in their heels of saying, hey, he's not up for sale. I really would prefer to see that man off of the Blazers. The time is up. They ran their course. They tried it. There was Dame time every single year. There was great memories, great playoff performances. But, I mean, you've kind of reached your ceiling of what you can do overall with this Blazers team. Alright, and then the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram got it done, 28 points 8 assists, 8 rebounds Jonas Valanciunas, 10 points but 16 rebounds and then Josh Hart with a big old 20 point, 5 assists, 5 rebound performance, and then let's also shout out Nikhil Alexander-Walker with 27 humongous points and only 25 minutes off the bench all that coming together, and uh, they're just missing Zion, they bring Zion to this Pelicans team we got Ingram at the 3, Zion at the Valentunis at the 5, I mean, that's going to be a big beef down low. That's going to be a pretty solid, beefy big 3 for this Pelicans team. And where are they currently in the standings? Can this team make a run for the playoffs if Zion comes back? Let's quickly see what do we got here. Pelicans are currently the 14th seed in the Western Conference. That's not good. They've got 11 wins, but they're only two, like two, three games out of that 10th spot. And we know 10th is that kind of playing tournament, seven through 10. And uh, they're only five games out from the sixth seed of getting a guaranteed playoff spot at the top six. So, they could still make a run. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. Brandon Ingram's been playing really solidly here ever since he's kind of been back. Valanchunas has been so gosh dang consistent. Um, obviously, and, uh, you know, Zion, obviously, they're waiting for that man to come back. So, um, yeah, the Pelicans, man, give them credit. They get the big old win, 111-97 last night. All right, two games left. Let's uh, wrap it up here. Timberwolves at the Mavericks, and no Porzingis, no Luka Doncic, and the Mavericks still win. Wow, wow, wow! Everybody was kind of getting into uh, the action last night. Jalen Brunson, 28.6 assists. That's a little Luka Doncic-ish. Uh, we had Dwight Powell at the five, 15 points, eight rebounds. Dorian Finney-Smith playing the four, which is you know Kristaps Porzingis' position, and Dorian Finney-Smith put up 19 points, six rebounds, five assists. A little of a Porzingis impression, so we give the man credit. And then Sterling Brown with 12 points and 11 rebounds, enough to get it done. Also, Boban Marjanovic, this is why we want to see more play. He got in onto the court for 7 minutes and had 10 points and 2 rebounds. Yes, 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 feed that big man down low, especially when you don't have Porzingis in the lineup. And then for the Timberwolves, they had two of their big three, but they were missing the most important of their big three members, which is Anthony Edwards. Now, Karl-Anthony Towns is good, but I'm giving, uh, you know, if I'm ranking the tier of the big three here, I'm giving it to Anthony Edwards, number one, Karl-Anthony Towns, number two, and then D'Angelo Russell, number three. So they were missing Anthony Uh, Edwards last night, Carl Anthony Towns, 26 points, 14 rebounds, D'Angelo Russell, 14 points, 12 assists, all that was great, and then Malik Beasley filling in at the 3, 22 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, that is our 10 minutes, but we've still got a little bit more here, so let's finish up, Uh, so Malik Beasley, 22 points, fantastic night, unfortunately come up a little bit short. And then for, uh, oh, we already went over the Mavericks. So the Mavericks get the win, 114-102. All right, and then the last game of the night, the Suns at the Lakers. And the Suns get the win, 108-90. Devin Booker, second game back, still getting it done, 24 points, 7 assists, 9 rebounds. DeAndre Ayton, 19 points, 11 rebounds. Chris Paul, 11 points, 9 assists. Everybody getting it done. Uh, Cameron Johnson off the bench, 14 points. Cameron Payne off the bench, 10 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. JaVale McGee off the bench. 10 points 10 rebounds I mean deep and consistent and that's what the Suns team was lacking a little bit last year yes they were good they got to the finals all that but their bench was not as consistent as it has been the early part of this season so if this bench can maintain its consistency this Suns team may be able to win the finals this season instead of losing in the finals and then for the Lakers, no Anthony Davis. There's no way we can buy this Lakers team. LeBron does this thing, which is never questionable. 24.7 rebounds, and he shot 68% on 19 shots. And Russell Westbrook, he had 22 points, 5 assists, and 10 rebounds. All that was solid. 7 turnovers, not the greatest. Uh, minus 6 isn't the worst for a, what, 20, uh, what do we got, 18-point uh, loss there. So that's not terrible over Overall, but there's just nothing else we can rely on. Look at these other role players last night by the Lakers. Are you all right? Re- are you all ready? We get Taylor Horton Tucker, three points on 13 shots, folks. He shot one of 13, 7% from the field. DeAndre Jordan, what are we getting out of that, man? 1.8 rebounds. Wayne Ellington, three points on four shots, two rebounds. Off the bench, Rondo, no points on two shots. Isaiah Thomas, three points on 11 shots, 9% shooting, Carmelo Anthony even flouted, 7 points on 7 shots, Trevor Ariza, 12 points on 4 shots, he shot 100%, so we can give that man credit, but this is what they were working with, folks, 0 points, 1 points, shooting 7, 9%, there's just nothing else great here by the Lakers, LeBron's great, and he's still trying to get it done, but there's just pure garbage trash on this Lakers team, other than LeBron, so Lakers go down 108-90 to 90 last night. Alright, that was all the NBA from last night. Let's quickly see. Can we make a little bit of money on the NBA tonight? Any great action going on? Any great lines? Let's see if we can find some quick great value. First game up, Cavs at the Celtics. And this line makes no sense. So there must be a lot of people out with COVID. Cavs plus six? Cavs plus six? What are you absolutely out of your gourd against the Celtics? Oh my goodness. Let's see the inactives here. Because maybe they're just being disrespectful on the value. I doubt it, but let's see. Here we go. For the Celtics, we get uh, Denzel Valentine out with COVID-19, Jared Allen out with COVID-19, and that tells us all we need to know. We're not taking this game because Jared Allen is out. Evan Mobley is also out as well. And then for the Celtics, Al Horford is out, and that's about it. So, yeah, not having the big man, we're going to stay away from that. Almost got great value, unfortunately. All right, then we get the Magic at the Hawks. Magic plus seven, Hawks minus seven. And, uh, you know, this uh, Magic team facing a lot of COVID right now. Etuan Moore is out. Terrence Ross is out with the COVID. Moritz Wagner is out with COVID. Uh, RJ Hampton is out with COVID. Cole Anthony should be playing, and that's the best thing. But overall, that's just way too much COVID, and we don't like betting the Magic anyway. Um, So we're going to stay away from this one. Trey Young is also out for the Hawks. So no real great uh, you know feeling on the minus seven on the Hawks side, and then Bob uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is also a game time decision. So nothing great there. We'll stay away from it. Then we get the Rockets at the Bucks. Rockets plus ten, Bucks minus ten out here. Um, everybody's good to go for the Rockets. Christian Wood is a game time decision, which is a big uh, big thing, big meatball if he's out. Uh, for the Bucks, Brooke Lopez is still out, Bobby Portis is out, and Giannis is out. So once again, they're going to be missing their beef a little bit. So we're going to stay away from this game. Then we get the Nuggets at the Thunder. Nuggets minus six and a half. Thunder plus six and a half, folks. Very, very, a little enticing, I will say. Let's see who's all in and out here. For the Nuggets, we get Aaron Gordon, the game time decision, and Bull Bull is out with the COVID-19 unfortunate. And then for the Thunder, Mike Muscala is out with the rest, and everybody else is good, with, uh, good to go here. So Thunder plus six is looking a little appetizing. They've been kind of really solid here the last couple of games. They're on a two-game winning streak. We got Shea Gillis-Alexander being clutch as heck here all of a sudden. Lugans Dort is truly kind of stepping up and being consistent over these last couple of games as well. We get them plus six. I'm kind of liking it. Plus six and a half here at home and once again there's just no bet ability, no buyability on this Nuggets team. Aaron Gordon being a game-time decision. I mean it doesn't even matter if he plays if he doesn't play. It's doesn't really, his play on the floor doesn't really result into the level of offensive production needed for the Nuggets to win. So I think I'm going to take the Thunder plus six and a half here, folks. We haven't been able to bet the NBA in a while because we haven't really been able to talk about it on the show. Um, so I, to get right back into it with the NBA, folks, we're taking the Thunder plus six and a half tonight. I think I'm liking it. And then the last game of the night, the Clippers at the Kings, Clippers minus six, Kings plus six. Um, no great bet ability with this Kings team. We uh, Let's see the, all the ins and outs here for the Kings. We get Raquan Holmes is the game time decision, Terrence Davis is out with COVID-19, Darren Fox is out with COVID-19, Davian Mitchell is out with COVID-19. So expect Buddy Heald to be back in that starting lineup like we saw him a couple of games ago. And then for the uh, Clippers, it's just Marcus Morris is out. So Paul George is going to be out there giving it his damnedest. Uh, So Clippers minus six is seeming like good value. Everybody's going to be out for the Kings. uh, But I think we're just going to stick with the Thunder plus six and a half tonight. That Clippers minus six is is looking pretty good. What have the Clippers done over their last couple of games, though? They've just uh, a little not great. They're on that three-game losing streak. So if they weren't on a three-game losing streak, I would love the Clippers minus six. But they've been a little spotty over the last couple of games. Um, You know, ugh. so, yeah, we're going to stay away from the Clippers minus six. So we're just endorsing and taking the Thunder plus six and a half today. Alrighty, that is all the NBA that we had to go over for today, so let's shift gears a little bit to the NFL. We're going to break down the games from last night to two games from last night, and then we will get into our Wednesday film study. I also, before we get into any of that, I want to talk about this. Um, so I think we're done with the NFL power rankings on kind of every week ranking them, because I don't think we're we're learning enough from the power rankings, because everybody is just kind of uh, looking really great one week, and then taking, you know, either one, two, or even three step backs or even kind of five step backs uh, here like every single week. So we're getting huge up and downs in the power rankings, and I don't think it's really kind of telling us anything uh, great by doing it. So we are going to be kind of shaking up how we rank teams and talk about teams for the last three weeks here of the season. Uh, We'll get into this a little bit, uh, well, a lot more on tomorrow's show, but the teams that we kind of talk about today uh, from last night's game. And then also the teams that we talk about in our film study, we're going to kind of put them in these categories now instead of ranking them 1 through 10. We've got these four categories, and this is our official contender or pretender list. So we've got four categories where we're going to kind of rank all the teams in the NFL. And these categories are Super Bowl contenders. These teams, we believe that they can win and compete for the Super Bowl. Obviously. Then we get the playoff contenders. We think these teams are good. They will be tough in the playoffs. They will win a game or two. And these are playoff contenders. Not quite Super Bowl ready, but they can make a run in the playoffs. Now, we got playoff pretenders. Uh Yeah, they may make the playoffs, but overall, they're going to be a one-and-done team. We really don't see them making a big run. If they do win a playoff game, it's probably off of luck or something like that. These are kind of pretenders, folks. Playoff pretender category. And then our last qu- category is just trash. There's a lot of trash teams in the NFL, folks. Um, and we'll tell you all those trash teams. Obviously, the Jaguars are trash and... Uh, The Jaguars are now trash. Um, Is that what I said? Did I just say the Jaguars twice? Yes, I said the Jaguars twice. So the Jaguars are double certified trash, like we know. So those are our four categories. And when we talk about the teams today, we'll, uh, you know, put these teams in these categories. And then once we're, you know, when we're watching the film study, those like last-second details will kind of help us determine: do they, does this team belong in the Super Bowl contender or the playoff contender, or do they belong in the playoff contender or playoff pretender? The Wednesday film study footage that we break down today will help us guide us, uh, guide us, guide these teams that we talk about into one of these four categories. So we'll um, keep this open, obviously, and as we talk out through. Talk through teams today and tomorrow. We will put the teams in these four categories and start rearranging them, you know, week by week here till we get to the playoffs. And then, you know, we can actually see what happens. Alrighty, so now that we've talked about that, let's uh, talk about these games from last night. Let's quickly go over these. First game up Seahawks at the Rams, and the Rams get the win here, 22 10. Now, a little bit out to a slow start. The Rams only put up three points in the first half, 3 3 going into halftime, but then after halftime, the Rams started to find their groove a little consistently. First drive out of halftime for the Rams, a touchdown drive. Second drive, they have at the punt, third drive, they're right back at it, scoring touchdowns, fourth drive, they punt again, fifth drive, they're right there, putting up points, making it a two-possession game with uh, under two minutes, icing the game, sealing the the game, and the Rams get the win. So, uh, you know, this Rams team getting out to a little bit of a slow start, but then finally getting it into the gear, that's what we want to see. Now, we would like to see this Rams team be consistent, first quarter, second quarter, solid points, seven to ten every single quarter, and just look looking good throughout the entirety of the game we haven't really gotten that that much by the Rams and I really wish we saw that last night because they were going against the Seahawks which we think overall is just uh, beneath the Rams they are division rivals division rivalry all that so that plays into it a little bit but I was just hoping for a little bit more of a dominant win a dominant performance offensively by the Rams now they all played really solidly here Uh, Matthew Stafford goes 21 of 29 fantastic Uh, For 244 yards so not dinking and dunking slinging this thing around 21 of 29 We got 72% completion percentage absolutely fantastic two touchdowns He had a pick real bad pick airing it out and it wasn't even near anybody And that's what we get by Matthew Stafford So that that is really kind of the only knock that we're seeing repeated here by Matthew Stafford Is just uh, you know some boneheaded error errors whether it's not seeing the read or Or just lofting up the ball. We saw it a couple weeks ago. OBJ's first game. Just forcing him the ball. And that was picked. This ball last night. Just an arid overthrow. That gets picked. But for the most part, he does kind of reel it all in. He doesn't let one interception, one turnover build into two, three, four, and then just completely crumble in the game. So overall, Matthew Stafford, we did like his performance last night. And overall, the offense, it did get it done when it needed it to. And just the connection between Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. it just seems like if everything is not going right or if everything is going wrong, that connection will eventually get it going, Cooper Cup again. Another 136-yard game. How many yard games of over 100 yards has Cooper Cup had this season? I want to say there's maybe two, three games so far this season where Cooper Cup has under 100 yards receiving. Here we go. Let's rattle off all these yardage totals per game by Cooper Cup this season from game one to last night. We got 108 yards, 163 96, I know that's under 100, but I'm not going to officially count that. It's four four under, folks. We'll give him the four yards there. Then 64, so that's about one game under 100. Then he's at 92. Once again, are we going to kind of nitpick over eight yards? I'm not. He's at 130, 156, 115, 95, 122, 96, 129, 123, 136. So he has like one official game, one Unofficial game of under a hundred yards, and that was 64. If you want to get officially official with it, he's got one, two, three, four, five games. Only five games out of 15. A third, one third, 33% of his games not getting a hundred yards receiving. That means 66% of Cooper Cup's games this season. Those are great betting odds. You tell me, hey, that's a 66% chance they win. They cover the spread. I'm like, yeah, I'll bet it. Here, Here's a couple of grand bet it. It's 66%. Give me those odds. He's got 66% of games where he has over a hundred yards receiving. And those are unofficial unof- uh, numbers. Unofficially, it's 14 out of 15 games of over a hundred yards receiving and for that I don't say here's a couple of grand I say here's my house and my car and then my vacation home bet that bet that Cooper Cup has over hundred yards receiving every single game yes So, Cooper Cup is just absolutely phenomenal out here. You've got to kind of declare him as the best receiver in the league. Nobody's been able to kind of wrap him up and cover him for for the entire game. Yes, they may get one or two plays, but overall, by the time the game is done, Cooper Cup will be wide open 50 yards down the field for a wide open pass that probably goes for a touchdown, and that's why the Rams are a win games, truly. So Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup connection is almost unmatched, folks. Uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams is the other kind of great, maybe kind of challenging for that number one quarterback wide receiver combo connection in the league this season. But overall, he's definitely in the number one argument, Stafford, the Cup. Uh, Let's backtrack a little bit here and talk about these running stats. Sony Michel, 18 rushes for 92 yards. So once again, balancing the run in the pass game here. And that's crucial here by Sean McVay. So I'm glad that he's just not. All right, I got this big old arm quarterback, Matthew Stafford. I'm going to sling this ball around 50 times a game, not getting carried away with the passing game. Shout out to uh, Sean McVay for that. Uh, so Sony Michelle 18 rushes for 92 yards. And then who was Matthew Stafford throwing to? Like we said, Cooper Cup, leading receiver, nine catches for 136 yards, two touchdowns. Ben Skoranek, four catches, forty-two yards. Sony Michelle, two catches, twenty-three yards. Van Jefferson, two catches, twenty-three yards. And then OBJ, just one catch for seven yards. So once again, hopefully this, uh, you know, narrative that OBJ is going to be like a diva and blow up the team. Hopefully that doesn't occur. I'm kind of staying away from that. I'm not going to just assume OBJ is just a diva and, you know, is wants to demand the ball. I think OBJ just really wants to win first and foremost. I don't really... I don't think OBJ cares that much if he's a huge reason why they're winning or not. Obviously, he wants to be a reason why they're winning. But as long as they're winning, I don't think we're going to get any kind of um, antics by OBJ. And hopefully that is the case because this Rams team is truly Super Bowl contenders, folks. I think we can officially put this Rams team in our Super Bowl contender Uh, Category here in the first team up on our kind of newly um, Formatted power rankings if you will so we are going to officially put the Rams as Super Bowl contenders I think I saw Enough of what I needed to see last night the defense kind of dominated the game The Seahawks really could not do anything all game long especially in that first half where um, All the third downs were third and longs and there was never really a chance Uh, that this Seahawks team, there was never like a feeling that the Seahawks team was just going to go down and drive down the field and score any points. You never got that watching the Seahawks offense in the first half. Second half, they started to move the ball a little bit better and didn't have those big long third downs, but overall they still could not get that many points. Seven points for the entire second half, that's not enough. So, we're not really too worried about Matthew Stafford anymore. Cooper Cup can't be locked down. Sony Michelle; these last two weeks, have been getting the carries with the yards. Fantastic. And the defense has been coming up big every single week. So, the Rams are officially Super Bowl contenders, folks. We can see it. All right. Now, let's uh, talk about Russell Wilson and the Seahawks now because it's just this Seahawks team, This these last two seasons, is not what... I think of as what the Seahawks should be with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. And uh, who do we got? Um, 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 Tyler Lockett. Uh, You know – the offense should be way better than this, only 10 points, and we've seen this Seahawks team be lackluster and lackluster and lackluster, and Russell Wilson does have some blame on that, the offensive line does have some blame on that, and definitely the offensive coordinator does have some blame on that, and uh, you know now kind of unofficially eliminated from the playoffs with the loss last night. It's just, I think it's all going to kind of come to a head this off season, And we saw, start, started to see it kind of softly boil over last season. I think it's going to be kind of uh, exacerbated a little bit more. So this off season for the Seahawks is going to be real interesting. And if you're a Seahawks fan, it's going to be a little annoying because they're going to be talking about your franchise guy potentially not wanting to be there anymore. Uh, so, Russell Wilson, he went 17 of 31 last night. Nothing really great there. 54% completion percentage, 156 yards, dinking and dunking, no touchdown, an interception, not good at all. Running back by committee was okay. We had uh, DJ Dallas, 8 rushes for 41 yards and a touchdown, and then Rashad Penny, 11 carries for 39 yards. So, overall, about 80 yards. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good. Okay. (laughs) And then who was Russell Wilson slinging the ball to? Gerald Everett, four catches, 60 yards. DK Metcalf, 12 targets, six catches, but for only 52 yards, nothing meaningful. Freddie Swain, one catch, 52 yards. DJ Dallas, three catches, 11 yards. So nothing good here offensively by the Seahawks. The defense was okay. They got a turnover in the first half. Unfortunately, they couldn't do anything with it offensively. They go five and out, and then, you know, They held them to three points for the first half, but you know, once again, unfortunately, the offense couldn't get it done in the second half to keep up scoring pace. So, the defense, it's okay. Nothing great in this offense is truly nothing great. So I'm putting this Seahawks team in the trash category, folks. Man, oh man, I hate to do it to them, but I mean, what is this offense? We're not scared of this offense at all. I'm not even scared of Russell Wilson anymore. And we talk about Russell Wilson like top five quarterback in the league consistently. So that's never a good look for them. So this Seahawks team is officially certified trash. Obviously, not a playoff contender. They're not even a playoff pretender. They're worse than playoff pretenders, folks. They are trash, unfortunately. Um. So the Rams get the win, twenty to ten alright and then the last game from last night Washington versus the Eagles and the Eagles get the win 27-17 and folks I am loving this Eagles team they got out to a bad start interception on the first drive fumble on the second drive down 10-0 because of those two turnovers but then they cleaned it up for the rest of the game no more turnovers 27 points only let Washington score seven points when they had to actively go down and earn all the yards and all the great starting field position that they had. They had to go out and earn it. And without Taylor Heineke and having your third string Garrett Gilbert be the quarterback. And I'll give Garrett Gilbert a little credit. You know, he tried his damnedest out here. He tried to make it competitive and the defense, you know, helped him get out to that 10 nothing star. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, is Garrett Gilbert trying to lead a team down trying to lead them to a win. I don't like his odds at that point. Um, Let's start here with the Eagles because I'm super impressed. Once again, credit goes to Nick Sirianni for getting this team right and ready to play over the last couple of weeks with Jalen Hurts kind of in the COVID-19 protocols and all that or no just kind of a little banged up not in the COVID-19 I apologize a little banged up there and then having you know Gardner Minshew play well and that little bit of distraction and then sticking to his guns and saying no it's Jalen Hurts and then sticking with Jalen Hurts this week and having Jalen Hurts be very very good the interception wasn't great that was bad by him but everything else he cleaned it up he went 20 of 26 for 296 yards absolutely slinging the ball around all game long he's at 76% completion percentage one touchdown one interception like I said you know we do see this by Jalen Hurts here and this is still our biggest knock and it is starting to become a little bit more concerning these turnovers and these turnovers at the worst time throwing an interception on your first drive I mean that truly can influence and derail the entire game plan so definitely got to keep that in check a little bit but he was able to put that behind him and then just start slinging the ball around for the rest of the game here. And Jalen Hurts has success because this Eagles team runs the ball so gosh dang well. They're probably the best rushing team in the NFL, folks. Yes, the Philadelphia Eagles, the 7-7 Philadelphia Eagles are the best rushing game team in the league. They're better than the Colts at rushing the football, folks. Uh, they're better than the Ravens at rushing the football, and that's all they do. The Eagles are the best team. Miles Sanders, 18 rushes for 131 yards. Jordan Howard, 15 rushes for 69 yards. And then Jalen Hurts, 8 rushes for 38 yards and 2 touchdowns. Jalen Hurts was the 3rd leading rusher for this Eagles team, where Jalen Hurts is usually kind of number 1 leading rusher. So the rushing game was on point, and that opens up the passing game like we know, and Jalen Hurts absolutely took advantage of all of it. All right, who was uh, Jalen Hurts slinging the ball to? Dallas Goddard, at their tight end, leading receiver, seven catches, 135 yards. Jalen Rager, three catches, 57 yards. Devontae Smith, three catches, 40 yards. Greg Ward, two catches, 28 yards and a touchdown. Miles Sanders, two catches, 15 yards. And Quas Watkins, two catches for 14 yards. The defense gets it done as well. Only holds the Washington football team to seven points when they had to go and actively drive the entire field by and not getting a great starting field position off of a turnover. So folks, and I was debating on this one all pre pre-show long folks. Do I put this Eagles team as Super Bowl contender? Yes, I would go that big folks, or do we just say playoff contender? And I think I'm just going to go playoff contender. Let's not kind of jump the gun here and put this Eagles team at Super contenders we still have three more weeks to kind of move these teams into different categories but so far what we've seen all year long in seeing this Eagles team get better and better and I mean this offense is so gosh dang good this may be one of the most consistent offenses that there is in the entire NFL and Nick Sirianni deserves a ton of credit Uh, For that, the offensive line for the Eagles deserves a lot of credit. And the way that Jalen Hurts has been playing pretty solid game-managing football, Like I said, need to clean up the red zone Uh, interceptions a little bit more. But, I mean, they just score and score and they score. When they don't turn over the ball, this team just scores and scores and scores and scores and scores. You can always count on this Eagles team getting in at least field goal position. So, I really want to put this Eagles team... In the Super Bowl contender category, I really do. I I know I am because honestly, the only reason why I wouldn't is because of y'all—the pushback and blowback I would get from y'all. I can't even—well, I can't imagine, but I don't even want to imagine what y'all would say if I put the Eagles at seven and seven in Super Bowl contenders because I don't think y'all are ready for that conversation of this Eagles team being really, really good and they're just solid all throughout their. Deep offensively, defensively, they all buy in in the consistency, folks. Of scoring, I have not, I don't think there's any team that comes really close. I mean, the Rams only put up 20 points yesterday, folks. The Rams aren't even as consistent offensively than the Eagles. And I think the Rams overall, just kind of taking player for player, I think the Rams overall have a better roster. And I don't think that's anything kind of controversial. Or controversial to say so I am putting the Eagles in Super Bowl contender category folks unapologetically and we'll see if we have to move them down over the next three weeks but I don't think we will have to Alright, so everybody was getting it done for the Eagles last night, and then for Washington, Garrett Gilbert, once again, trying his damnedest and looked okay while doing so. Obviously not vying for any starting quarterback role in this league, but he went 20 of 31 here for 64% completion percentage. I give that man a lot of credit. 194 yards, no touchdown, no pick. He fumbled once, but didn't lose it, so a clean game. We give that man a more credit for that. Uh, The rushing game was super lackluster, and another great job by this Eagles defense of just shutting down the run. Obviously, you know, Garrett Gilbert's not going to give you anything great throwing the ball, so just lock up the run. Antonio Gibson, 15 rushes for 26 yards. That's 1.7 yards a rush. Trash. Only one touchdown. Jarrett Patterson, four rushes for 20 yards, and he scored a touchdown as well. All right, who was Garrett Gilbert throwing the ball to? Were Terry McLaurin leading receiver two catches for 51 yards. So, once again, big credit there targeting your receivers, your actual A1 tier one wide receivers. Give that man credit again. Big green flag silver linings for Garrett Gilbert here. Antonio Gibson six catches for 39 yards. Ricky Seals-Jones, big tall beefy tight end option fourth Four catches, 29 yards. John Bates, one catch, 29 yards. Adam Humphreys, three catches, 23 yards. Cam Sims, one catch, 13 yards. DeAndre Carter, two catches for 12 yards. Unfortunately, uh, like I said, uh, you know, having to go the length of the field, not being gifted, turnovers by the Eagles. Garrett Gilbert just could not be the guy, and we nobody thought he could. So Eagles get the win, 27 to 17, and uh, man oh man, are they looking absolutely really good. And then for Washington, I would call them playoff pretenders, even with, um, even with. Taylor Heineke at the starting quarterback position. I still put Washington at the pretender. Category: The defense needs to kind of be a little bit better out here. Yes, they got out to that good start. But then in the fourth quarter, in the second half, when, you know, your team was struggling to score the ball and move the ball, you were letting the Eagles score and move the ball whenever they wanted. So, and then also, Taylor Heineke, how good in the clutch is he going to be in the playoffs when all the pressure's on him? We saw him kind of, you know, not really be the max gamer that we saw him be in the playoffs playoffs, diving for the pylon against Tom Brady's Bucks last season. We've seen, you know, some instances of him diving and kind of gaming out and balling out and going all four, but we've also seen them kind of, you know, be hesitant and slide and not want to take or deliver the big hit. So I think just Washington overall, I just don't think they have the offensive pieces to work with it. Uh, You know, the Eagles were able to shut down Washington's run game just like that. And, uh, you know, Taylor Heineke having to do it all himself with no rushing game. I don't think the man can get it done. So we're going to put Washington in the playoff pretender category. And we'll see if they can move up over the next three weeks. Alrighty, those were all the games that we needed to break down from last night. So now let's get into our Wednesday film study where we go a little bit more deep into the film and recheck our narratives, kind of check what the narratives in the national media are saying. Should we be buying these teams and players? Should we be selling these teams and players? Getting ready to talk about week 16, which kicks off tomorrow, folks. I know we're going from week 15 on Tuesday to week 16. On Thursday just like that I know quick turnaround time But uh, we've got to watch These this, uh, these films here And see what we have to kind of Fine tune heading into Week 16 where we got to do a little bit Better on the betting forefront Yeah kind of got uh, killed A little bit last week but There's only one place to go up And uh, there's only one place to go from Go to from here And that's up That's the saying correct all right. Uh, all right, so here we go. First matchup up in our film study that we're going to take a look at is the Patriots and the Colts. Now, we're going to watch two things here. We're going to watch Carson Wentz throw the ball, and we're going to watch 12, all 12 attempts here, and this is truly going to tell us what we need to know about the Colts. We give Colts a ton of credit and Frank Reich a ton of credit for reeling in the passes over the last 3 3 weeks, two games. Um, only, you know, kept the ball in check, throwing the ball against the Texans, and then also kept the check, kept... Carson Wentz in check throwing the ball here against the Patriots. Only 12 attempts. Now, we're going to take a look at all of the attempts here by Carson Wentz because uh, we don't want him to throw the ball. And I think it was expertly on display here of why we don't want Carson Wentz to throw the ball. I mean, overthrows and missing wide open targets out here. I mean, under 50% completion percentage and only 12 attempts. So we know the Russian game is the best thing about this Colts team, but we'll take a look at Carson Wentz as well. And then I also want to kind of shout out Mac Jones a little bit. Uh, Mac Jones was kind of getting um, knocked on social media in the early part of the game here, but I thought uh, Mac Jones had a really good game all throughout. So we're going to watch his highlights and then I also kind of want to take a quick look at some of these plays in the first quarter and why the Patriots got down and got behind. It really wasn't all on Mac Jones really at all. So let's uh, take a look at uh, Carson Wentz first, and then we will get into Mac Jones. So here we go. Every throw by Carson Wentz. What are they looking like? Are they good balls, bad balls, overthrows, underthrows? Just his receivers not getting it done? Were were that all seven incompletions there by Carson Wentz on the receivers? Let's take a look. So here we go. First pass up here by Carson Wentz. First drive, and they go three straight passing plays, folks, and they go three and out, unfortunately. Uh, We've got a refresh here, and we probably will have to sign out and sign back in. Y'all know how NFL.com works. It is absolutely atrociously bad. Um, So we do this, and then it's going to make us sign out, I believe. Like it is right now. Perfect. Um, All right, so let's sign out to sign back in because for some reason they need to do that 20 times to make sure that we actually have it, have the game pass, or uh, have the... All 22 and all that. Uh, I mean, folks, we may have to change this up next year. Like I said, I mean, uh, this is the worst, worst use of technology I have ever seen, folks. NFL, please get it together by next year. They had it perfect last year. Trash this season makes no sense. But uh, um, there's nothing I guess we could do about it. And once again, we try to do it again, and we have to go and sign right back out. Man, oh, man. Um, and there's nothing I can do, folks, I've, um, I have had these tabs open, I, it makes me keep signing out and signing back in, so it doesn't, like, I'm trying all I can over here, so I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear anything from y'all, Is the main point of what I'm trying to say, folks, I don't want to hear anything from y'all, y'all understand me? Y'all understand me? I'm putting the Eagles in Super Bowl contenders, y'all can't tell me nothing, alright? right. All right, here we go. We should be good now. It should be good. All right, here we go. Now can we finally watch Carson Wentz? Jeez, Louise. Here we go. All righty, first throw up here by Carson Wentz, and like we said, you know, three passes on the first three plays, and they have to go three and out because of them. But here we go. First pass up by Carson Wentz. Here we go. First play of the game here. Starting at their own 26-yard line. Play action pass by Carson Wentz. And just a drop there. Or No, this is a catch here. Good catch. Good throw here. He goes to by Michael Pittman Jr. Getting his wide receivers acclimated into the game. A little kind of underthrown a little bit. You see Michael Pittman kind of have to come back toward the ball. But he's rolling out of the pocket. Throwing on the run. Overall, it's a solid throw. And it goes for 7 yards. So we give the man a little bit of credit. Alright next throw up is an incomplete pass next two passes are incomplete We got to take this one from the sideline view So here we go Carson Wentz play action rolling out to the right and then just dumps it to Michael Michael Pittman Jr. but he can't hold on to the ball and here we go Carson Wentz rolling out to the right we get two receivers flowing to the right as well we got a, a receiver heading to the outside and Michael Pittman Jr. a little bit sandwiched inside and I think Carson Wentz just makes the bad read right there to force it to Michael Pittman Jr. in this tight window between these two defenders and he can't fit it in there perfectly and it's off of Michael Pittman Jr.'s hands. I think the right decision, the right read would have been out to throw out to this outside receiver and get this man out onto the edge here and see if Carson Wentz can place the ball absolutely on the money in space for the receiver just to take it to the sideline and go that all the way down the sideline. There's no safety over the top here, so if you get the receiver out in space, he's got the entire field to go wide open. So Carson Wentz not making the right read, not making the right play, and it's a pass incomplete, which sets up third and three which sets up another incomplete pass because we can't rely on Carson Wentz so here we go next pass here by Carson Wentz he's going deep and it's just an overthrow to Michael Pittman Jr he is wide open down the field this is a full yard of separation and if you ever get a yard of separation in the NFL folks that is wide open folks and Carson Wentz over Throws him by like three full yards. This goes to the house if it's on the money. And Carson Wentz overthrows. He is not reliable. He is not consistent. This is why we want you to run the ball 30 plus times a game. So, three of his 12 throws all come on the first drive, folks. You've got to take the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands. Next drive. Here we go. Y'all ready for the very next drive? 37-yard run, 11-yard run, 4-yard run, 6-yard run, 4-yard run, 5-yard run, 3-yard run, and then direct snap on the 8-yard line to Jonathan Taylor, and he takes it in. Run, run, run on the entirety of the next drive because you cannot... Count on and rely on Carson Wentz. And we give Frank Reich a lot of credit for swallowing his pride. Remember what we said. This Colts team goes as far as Frank Reich takes this team. Not making the same mistake. How much self-control does Frank Reich have of not putting the ball in Carson Wentz's hand? Remember, we're kind of comparing this Colts team to Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson on the one-yard line with Marshawn Lynch, and they throw the ball. It's the same thing. You cannot rely on Carson Wentz to win you these games. Alright, next drive, do we get any passes here by Carson Wentz? Let's see, 4-yard run, 2-yard run, 3-yard run, 1-yard run, and then here we go, 23-yard pass play. Now, we know the run opens up the pass, so we've got no problem with Carson Wentz throwing the ball 20 or less times a game. The less, the better. We really like the 12 mark here, We and we'll see if Frank Reich sticks to this kind of 12 mark. I doubt he sticks this low, but we'll see but here we go. The run can open up the pass, and we we can believe and count on Carson Wentz to make the play when it's wide open off of kind of play action in the run and all that. So here we go. Let's see what this big old play looks like. Is it a dink and dunk that goes big? Is it Carson Wentz? But here we go. He's under center, and it's a play action. Great block there. Holy cow by Jonathan Taylor, and then here we go. Boom. A fantastic ball right here uh, to T.Y. Hilton. There's like three to Defenders right in front of them and he places the ball right on the money gets out of bounds and just once again uh, We got to highlight this block right here by Jonathan Taylor Look at this pickup block free rush coming right up the middle Jonathan Taylor chops him down and that gives Carson Wentz the time to throw that ball 23 yards So a great throw right there. That's the throws. We love to see off the play action all that and then off that throw, they're right back to the run. One yard run, eleven yard run, seven yard run, two yard run, three yard run, one yard run, run for no gain, pass incomplete, and then a up for the field goal. So once again, relying on Carson Wentz, third and seven, uh, third and goal from the seven-yard line, g- relying on Carson Wentz to throw this touchdown, make it 21-0. This truly would have, you know, put a big old nail in the coffin right here. We know the Patriots do end up kind of making a little bit of a comeback and making the game a little interesting. But a touchdown right here, 21-0. I don't know what the spirit in the overall locker room for the Patriots is looking like going into halftime. So here we go. Carson Wentz to truly put away the game, 21-0. 21-0, 21-0, shut out all that. You can go home. I think that's written into the rules. But here we go. Carson Wentz on third and goal from the seven. What does this look like? Here we go. Drops back to pass, plenty of time in a comfortable pocket, and throws this ball a little bit. Not even a little bit too high. This is a good throw right here by Carson Wentz. Throws it high. I believe this is for Mo Alley Cox. Big, tall. Uh, you know, receiver, pass catcher, there in the back of the end zone, just throws it a little. No, he throws it high. It's a, it's a tad high, but it should be high. So I'm not gonna knock Carson Wentz like that. And it's just unfortunate Mo Ali Cox does have to come down with that ball. Uh, let me make sure this is Mo Ali Cox, and then we'll get his height. Yeah, Mo Ali Cox. I want to say this man is like 6'4 to 6'6 folks. Honestly. Uh, so here we go, Mo Ali Cox, big tall guy out here. Tight end, uh, 6'5". Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you just got to calm down with that ball. All right, so incomplete pass there, and then we get uh, running into halftime, out of halftime, first drive. We get a pass for no gain, and a pass incomplete, and then an eight-yard sack. I mean, this is what they do when they try to r- pass the ball. Once again, Frank Wright may have gotten a little bit too Q tier cute, to open up the second half. The first drive of the first half, pass, 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 incomplete, 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 three and out, half to punt. First drive of the second half, pass for no gain. Pass and complete. Eight-yard sack. Pass, pass, pass. And you have to punt the ball here. Are y'all seeing where we're going with this and why we need this Colts team to just run the ball, please? Here we go. Carson Wine's pass. uh pass for three yards and it's, it's a pass for no gain. It's a tight end. It's a quick throw right out to the flat and it goes for no yards, folks, no yards. Uh, we got to take this next one in the sideline to bring up the second down pass that goes incomplete. Um, here we go. All right, here we go. Let's watch this incomplete pass. All right, and they're at great field position because, you know, of the interception thrown by Mac Jones. So that's why they're able to score a field goal, even though they kind of have three bad pass plays in a row. But here we go. Carson Wentz, second and 10 after that pass for no gain. He fakes a toss to the left, everything flowing out to the right. And this is just great coverage here by the Patriots defense. Really nothing open. I mean, you probably throw it right here. You've got to just throw it right now, I guess, to Ty Hill going out, but you get this defender here of the Patriots coming down and barreling down. Uh, so really just nothing wide open, nothing really open at all. And Carson Wentz tries to make a play. It does fall incomplete. Not going to put that one on Carson Wentz. Am going to put that on a great effort by the defense. But that sets up third down. And now we definitely need Carson Wentz to get it done. You've got to get it done at some point. You need to get it done and at third and ten he takes a eight yard sack. Once again making it harder for this team to get points. Carson Wentz doesn't make it easy for the teams to get points. He makes it hard for his own team to get points. Here we go third and ten. Let's see what the sack looks like dropping back to pass. Goes a step up in the pocket. It's pretty crowded in there and takes the sack down and he loses eight yards, makes it a little bit of a harder field goal. It's still good, the field goal, but once again, just making it hard on himself and the team. All right, next drive. We get a pass complete right off the rip, and then a six-yard run, three-yard run, a two-yard run. They go for a fourth and one, two-yard run to pick up the first down. They don't even trust Carson Wentz to get one yard. Um... Or it actually was. It was a QB sneak. I apologize. (laughs) Uh, They do rely on Carson Wentz to get the one-yard run there. All right. Um, Let's take – man, oh, man. Once again, just not every play is in every um, angle. So it's just we have to go back to the sideline here for this incomplete pass. Um, so, we'll watch these two passes and I think we've seen enough here by Carson Wentz, but here we go. First and ten, right at midfield, Carson Wentz, play action pass, he tries to go deep and he throws it behind the receiver, Michael Pittman Jr., like, why is this connection? And we're going to talk about the Dak and CeeDee Lamb connection in the next film study that we've got up here, but I mean, the, the Carson Wentz, the Michael Pittman Jr. connection, geez Louise, that needs to be so much better, but Carson Wentz, I mean, you throw this ball, you You've got 25 yards to throw this ball in, and Carson Wentz throws it behind all that open space out of Michael Pittman Jr., and you throw it behind him. Why? 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 Because you're not that great. That's the only reason, no? And then here we go on 1st and 10, pass incomplete. They run it for the rest of the time here, which sets up, you know, 4th down. And they have to take a field goal off of it. And they get no points because the field goal is missed. So here we go. Carson Wentz on 1st and 10. Throwing the ball. Here we go empty backfield rolling out to the right and almost throws an interception I mean, this is how bad Carson Wentz is He almost just throws an interception blatantly right to the linebacker right there So we don't want Carson Wentz throwing the ball at all the less is the better more runs is the better Obviously, and it's all gonna depend on Frank Reich. He's the uh, he's basically the offensive coordinator He's basically the one calling the place here for the Colts it's dependent on him how far this Colts team goes so I am going to put this Colts team in the playoff I'm well I'm gonna do in the Super Bowl contenders I'm gonna put this Colts team Super Bowl contenders folks because the last two games here Frank Reich has kept the passing attempts under control so that is really the only thing that separates this Colts team from Super Bowl contenders to just playoff contenders is how much self-control Frank Reich has. And for these last two weeks, he's had immense self-control. So we re- reward him by putting the Colts in as Super Bowl contenders. Alrighty. So next matchup up here, I want to take a look at. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Hey, we still got to do the Colt. Well, let's, um, mm, 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 yeah, mm, yeah. let's shout out Mac Jones a little bit. We can go through this quickly. Uh, all right, Mac Jones, quickly, folks. Are you all ready? Here we go. Mac Jones quickly, I uh, want to take a quick look on these first quarter drives here, because Mac Jones on third and two picks up the third and two, Mac Jones was getting it done for the Patriots this game, folks, this, uh, what was it, Saturday, the game was, so Mac Jones was getting it done, and if we have to, if we have to re-log in here, we're not going to watch this, we're not going to do this again, Um, and that's exactly what we have to do, oh my goodness, so we're going to move on, folks here, um, to the next matchup, we're going to probably have to law sign out and sign back in on this one as well. Um, so there's no way around it. Unfortunately, um, we'll come back to Mac Jones folks. I hate you. You don't understand how frustrating this is. Um, so we've got to sign out to sign right back in so we can get the freaking footage up. Um, where were we? We're going to Cowboys at the Giants for our next film study up. We will try and get to Mac Jones a little bit later in the week if we have time. But we're going to Cowboys at Giants now and we just want to take a look at the Dak to C.D. Lamb connection. We know it's been a little lackluster the last couple of weeks here and we've wanted to keep an eye on it for the rest of the season because this is truly going to to depend on where we put this Cowboys team. Do Are they Super Bowl contenders, playoff contenders, or playoff pretenders? It's really going to come dependent on this Cowboys offense overall, and more specifically the Dak to CeeDee Lamb connection. Dak to Amari Cooper always looks good and never is questionable, but Dak does target CeeDee Lamb way more than Amari Cooper. I mean, we're getting like 8 to 12 targets a game on, on CeeDee. Lamb and overall the catch percentage is a little bit lower than we what we'd like and on some big downs, big third downs or even like wide open plays, it's either Dak not being 100% on um, on the same wavelength as CD Lamb and it's incomplete or CD Lamb's not in the same wavelength. You know CD Lamb turns inside when the ball's thrown outside, CD Lamb turns outside when the ball's thrown inside and it's just the connection. It should be well, well, well. More established uh, since it's really two full seasons now of you know Dak and CeeDee Lamb being together so the uh, let's take a look at all of the throws from Dak Prescott to CD Lamp, and see if it's been cleaned up, um, were, were like, all these catches, were they all still bobbled, what were the incompletions looking like, and overall, are they on the same page, or was it just good defenses, you know, breaking up the, breaking up the passes at the last second, or were, were these two, uh, just not on the same page, so. Let's, uh, nine targets to C.D. Lamb and only six completions. Now, we'll, we'll give him that. Six of nine. That's pretty solid out here, but six catches for only 50 yards, a little bit of dink and dunk, where the, the big throws down the field, were those the incompletions? So let's see what we get here and what these throws were looking like. Are they on Dak? Are they on C.D. Lamb? Or, uh, just great defense. Let's see what these throws, completions, and incompletions were looking like. All right, so here we go. We've got them all queued up here. So first throw comes on the very first drive. The very first drive of the game here, we got three throws to C.D. Lamb. So here we go. First throw up here, we get – hang on. I thought it was 1309. Where's that? Where's that at 1309? Um, Interesting. Did I write down the wrong – Hang on, hang on. 1309, 1239. Where's 1239 at? Why are these not li- lining up with uh, these uh, plays here? Interesting. Um, all right. Did I just. Uh, okay, okay, okay. We take it back. Here we go. We found the place. All right. So, CD Lamb had no catches no targets on the first drive it comes on the third drive of the first quarter is really when they start to target cd lamb so here we go first row we found it here here we go we got 2nd and 8 here and uh, he goes to CeeDee Lamb. So let's watch this throw. Here we go. Cowboys up 6-3 start of the second quarter and now starting to target CeeDee Lamb. Just a nice little comeback route. It goes for 4 yards. It's complete. It's on the money. It's only for 4 yards because it's a little bit of a dink down route and uh, there's 3 defenders all over him. So nice little kind of 4 yard gain and it picks up 4 yards to make it 3rd and 4. So 3rd and manageable. And then they go to CeeDee Lamb on the very next play. So back-to-back plays here This CD Lamb. First one was a catch. Easy peasy for eight four yards on third and four. What do we get here? Crucial down to pick up the first down and Dak Prescott rolling out to the left there and CeeDee Lamb heading out toward the sideline and a nice little out route and Dak Prescott puts it right on the money. Let's watch this one one more time. Just CeeDee Lamb an out route to the left sideline. Dak Prescott rolling out of the pocket to the left here and just keeping his eyes down the field, rolling out and throwing on the run and putting it right on the money. Great throw right there. Fantastic. Exactly what we wanted to see. Picks up the first down on the money. All right. And then a couple of plays later, we get an incomplete pass here to CeeDee Lamb on second and seven in the red zone here and this drive results in a field goal, folks, a field goal here. So this incompletion, kind of the reason why they had to settle for three instead of seven. So here we go. Dak Prescott in the red zone. 2nd and 7 and then just a setup screen to CeeDee Lamb and this is just not a well-thrown ball here by Dak Prescott and really not even a good attempt to catch the ball here by CeeDee Lamb. Now, this is a wide receiver screen so it's looking good here. The blocking is gonna get set up but CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott just not on the same page of how and where this ball should be thrown on the screen here. Dak Prescott kind of throws it. I like where Dak Prescott throws this ball, but CeeDee Lamb doesn't make a good attempt to catch this ball. So CeeDee Lamb, a little lackluster overall in the area of the field where you can't be lackluster. You cannot be lackluster in the red zone. Everything must be bind up 100% here because you can't make the mistakes. You can't make the mistakes because if you make the mistakes, you will most likely turn over the ball or you'll only get three points instead of seven and we know settling for three for three for three over and over and over again that's going to result into losses folks you're not going to win by just scoring field goals we know this so real disappointing here I put this one more on C.D. Lamb than Dak Prescott man oh man and I think I I feel like I'm I feel myself saying that more that it's on CD Lamb over Dak Prescott, folks. And you know, we've been watching these two over the last couple of weeks here. We're really trying to pinpoint it down, and it's seeming like it's more on CD Lamb than Dak Prescott. Whether CD Lamb's taking plays off, or just doesn't, you know, he's not 100% wide open, so he doesn't go 100%, or it's just true miscommunication and just not on the same page. So Man, oh, man, not great, not great. But let's keep going here. We got a couple of more plays to go over. So maybe it cleans up. Maybe it gets it better as the game progresses, which would definitely be a good silver lining overall. All right, here we go. Next uh, plays here, a couple, uh, couple here on the second quarter. So here we go. Next one coming at 324 here. And it's going to be an 11-yard pass on 2nd and 5. Let's see what this looks like. Cowboys still only up 9-3. to So one possession game. Everything counts here. And this is just wide open. CeeDee Lamb wide open over the middle of the field on a nice little crossing route. And Dak Prescott puts it right on the money in stride. And uh, CeeDee Lamb's able to get another extra 2 yards because of that. So that's perfect. That is perfect. That is an example of a perfect throw. On the money in stride. Open separation. All that deck. Sees them all that uh 10 yards first down all that that was perfect. Alrighty, and then they go to him on the very next play, or one more play. No, very next play, they go to CD Lamb, and now this is incomplete. So we had one absolutely perfect throw, and then this next one. What does this look like? Here we go. Dak under center play action rolling out to the right, throwing on the run, and once again, CD Lamb. We gotta take this one. Let's take this one in the end zone. Uh hopefully. This one is on the end zone, uh, but here we go, because this looked like C.D. Lamb once again just not giving it his all. So Dak Prescott play action, and it wants the buffer right in the middle of the play action. Absolutely perfect, right, folks? Um, let's see. All right, we're back here. Here we go. Back at it. Here we go. From the back angle, Dak Prescott, play action, rolling out to the right. See CeeDee Lamb. This is open, but CeeDee Lamb not really looking toward the ball and kind of seemed like he stopped running 100% a little bit. And I don't, it just seems like he's not trying for the ball. And that was kind of look like what it looked like when we saw him on that screen pass as well. Like he wasn't trying for the ball right here. Man, only extends one arm, little kind of half-heartedly, little lackadaisically. And this, was this a tipped throw? This seemed like it was a good throw overall. Let's watch this one one more time here. As seemed to be a good throw to me, so I'm putting this more on Ceedee Lamb than Amari Cooper in the, or uh, more on Ceedee Lamb than Dak Prescott, and that's not good, folks. I'm not liking at all what we've been seeing from Ceedee Lamb today, folks. Not good, not good. All righty, what do we got next throw up here? Couple of couple of plays later. We get a sack here at a minute and 55 on third and four. So I want to watch this one. Let's see. Is Amar, is CeeDee Lamb in this game, folks? Because Dak Prescott takes a sack, and I want to see why he takes a sack in the red zone. Third and four. Once again, having to settle for a field goal, folks. A field goal. So you're only up six at the current moment, and you're still settling for field goals. This is not what we want to see from the Cowboys, but here we go. Third and four, Dak Prescott instantly. Oh, my God. They brought pressure quick. There was really nothing, nowhere to go with this ball right immediately. CeeDee Lamb not open quite yet. So, for that, we're not going to – there's really – man, oh, man. There's no excuses there. That was just a good old blitz there by the Giants. So, alrighty. Uh, so, they have to settle for a field goal. Let's go up to this next uh, throw to – CD Lamb, we go, when do we go, 14, no, 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 four minutes, what do we got, third quarter, second drive, that's where we're at, okay, third quarter, second drive, that's second quarter, all right, third quarter, first drive, here we go, all right, we're back at it, Got them all written down. Here we go. Next pass to CeeDee Lamb. We got it on a second and eight, and it only goes for three yards. All right. Not that impressive, but let's see. Empty backfield by Dak Prescott. CeeDee Lamb. Just an easy three-yard comeback route, and still it's a little underthrown here. Dak Prescott needs to kind of sling this one in a little bit. Let's watch this one one more time. CeeDee Lamb going all the way to the ground, having to reach really all all the way to the ground. So could have been up a little bit more, elevated pass a little bit more there. All right in that next row here, same drive on second and six, and we get a pass incomplete, let's watch what this one looks like, here we go, second and six, they're only up 15-6, so still a close nine point game, Dak Prescott going over the middle, and there it is, CeeDee Lamb just dropping the ball, just dropping the ball, great throw over the middle, hits him in his hands, perfect placement, um, and just CeeDee Lamb not able to hold onto this ball, so, I'm putting it way more on CD Lamb than Amari Cooper. All right, we got two more, so let's watch these last two, and then we will make our final judgment here on everything. So here we go. We get a 16-yard. This is uh, this may be the best pass here to CeeDee Lamb of the day. So let's see. Does this change our mind any? Here we go. Second and 10, driving at the Giants' 29-yard line. And no, it's just a dink down, and CeeDee Lamb does the thing. He has a nice stiff arm there, stays on his feet, and goes for another, like, 10 yards down the field. So their biggest completion was a dink down that CeeDee Lamb took big and that's why it's so frustrating here talking about this because we know CeeDee Lamb could be so gosh dang good but he seems like he's lackadaisical he kind of mails it in phones it in here and there and that hurts him that hurts the team it hurts Dak Prescott's completion percent it hurts the offense moving the ball and all that so not great at all and uh, we've got one more throw here. Fourth quarter, third drive here, just trying to ice the game a little bit. 654, seven-yard pass, last throw here to CeeDee Lamb. Let's see what this looks like. They're up 21-6, to just looking to kind of ice the game, chew up as much clock as possible, and another dink down that CeeDee Lamb is able to break a tackle and fall forward for three extra yards. So, um, yeah, the, the connection there, the deep ball connection hasn't really been there. Miscommunication on the part of Dak Prescott and CD Lamb, and it looks like it's more on CD Lamb's part, half heartedly mailing it all in, not trying 100% for every single ball, leaving a bad taste in her mouth. And because of that, we are going to put the Cowboys in playoff contenders, not ready for a Super Bowl contender gig. Uh, at the current moment, not with that connection, now with C.D. Lamb phoning it in, so the Cowboys will be contenders for this week, and we'll see if that can change, if that connection offensively can get going, then obviously the Cowboys will be Super Bowl contenders, and not just play off contenders, this defense alone is Super Bowl contenders, okay, it's this offense holding them back, which really kind of leaves a bad taste in our mouth overall for the Cowboys. All righty, we've got, uh, there's a couple more that we want to watch here, um, our film study. So let's watch, um, we'll do Drew Locke and Ty, um, Taysom Hill, uh, Marquez Kelly, geez louise. Um, And we will save watching Tyler Huntley for maybe on tomorrow or Saturday's show. But uh, let's go next to. Bengals at the Broncos, and we just want to watch Drew Locke quickly. Can we believe in Drew Locke? Should there be any like quarterback controversy here between Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? Should Teddy Bridgewater be the guy once he's good and cleared from concussion protocol? And uh, does this Broncos offense look better moving the ball with Drew Locke than Teddy Bridgewater. So we're going to watch every pass here by Drew Lock and see what we get. Unfortunately, Drew Lock could not lead the Broncos to a win. So I don't think we're going to be calling for Drew Lock to be the guy here, but we will see what we get. So Drew Locke comes in on this touchdown drive. So let's see what we get here. And uh, we'll just watch this entire drive here. Um, We're going to have to kind of sign out and sign back in. I knew that. I knew we were going to have to do that. Uh, Or maybe not. Maybe not. Hang on. Hang on. Let's see what we get here. Do we got to sign out and sign back in? Most likely. But let's double check here. Yes, we do. Classic, classic, classic. All right. Sign out. Sign back in. Classic. Uh, So we'll use this time to um, berate NFL.com for being absolutely garbage. The website's trash. Um... The all 22 is really trash. Not even all the footage is up here and it hasn't been up and you say it's going to be up 24 hours and it's like 46, 72 hours later and it's still not up. So all that NFL.com is absolutely trash. Absolutely trash. All right, but let's see if we can get back here quickly. Here we go. We're logged back in. Let's get to this matchup, and then we will get to watch Drew Locke and seeing what he looked like when his opportunity was called. It seemed like classic Drew Locke, one touchdown. Yeah, that's all good, but then we also get the turnovers. That's why he is not a starter because of the turnovers. So let's see. What we get here by Drew Locke. Touchdown drive. We can watch it quickly here just to get a gauge of the offense and all that and how they were moving the ball. But here we go. Um, here we go. First play up. Uh, it's a nice little pitch there. Goes for a nice little run and it picks up about five yards. Once again, Javante Williams and uh, Melvin Gordon were, have truly been crushing it and killing it here for this Broncos offense. Uh, probably the best spot for the Broncos offensively. This seems to be Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater gets injured on this play right there. All righty. So, Drew Locke comes in here. All right. He started the drive here. Denver down 9-3. to Five minutes left in the third quarter. We got Drew Locke officially back in. Here we go. At their own 36-yard line on first and 10. They hand off the ball, and it goes right up the middle. Javante Williams gets it done. Brings them to midfield. Here we go. Drew Locke next play right at midfield, folks. Play, no, hands it off again. Boom, and it goes for about three, four yards. Drew Locke on second and six. now after the four-yard pickup. What do you got, Drew? Can you compliment the running game? Here we go. Nice little out route there. On the left sideline, Drew Lock puts it right on the money, and it goes for the first down, keeping the drive moving. This is great so far. Here we go, Drew Lock under center, hand off the ball again, complimentary running and passing the ball here. Picks up about four or five yards, five yards officially, second and five coming up. Drew Lock motion in the backfield, a lot of motion, a lot of misdirection, and they are handing the ball off again here. So on this drive, the touchdown drive, the only scoring drive that. That Drew Locke was a part of. They are still heavily running it. So once again. I don't know if we're clamoring. Chomping at the bit. For having Drew Locke to come in. They run the ball on first down, it gets no yards, brings up second and nine. Drew Lock. do we get a big plat- pass play here? Here we go. Drew Locke dropping back to pass and slinging the ball to the end zone, and it's caught. Touchdown Broncos. And this ball right here, I don't know if I like this. It's a 50-50 ball. It's a great job by the receiver here. Is this Tim Patrick? Who do we got scoring the touchdown here? Um, uh, Tim Patrick, yes. Man, oh, man. Big, tall weapon going to Tim Patrick. Love the aggressiveness. I will definitely say that. This is what we want a little bit more out of Teddy Bridgewater here if he is going to kind of stay the guy. Um, it's a one-on-one ball. Um, it's not the best thrown, but it's very well done for Tim Patrick to come back toward this ball. So not the best thrown ball by Drew Lock, but it got the job done. I don't know if we can knock that too much. So first drive that uh, Drew Lock comes in on and they get a touchdown. Most of it was running though. All right, next drive here. Let's uh, watch this very next drive. Do they build a pop off of it all that since we just saw that drive of uh, you know the touchdown drive? Let's see how it looks um, You know doing it twice. Can they do it twice and uh, here we go once again? Broncos down this time so back against the wall drew Lock's got to be on the money here Broncos down 15 to 10 with 30 seconds left in the third quarter here we go drew lock first play gonna play action roll out to the right there And then just dumps it down for about one yard with nothing being open and just having to get rid of the ball Then it brings up second and a tier start of the fourth quarter they're back to running the ball and it gets uh, no yards. Gonna bring up a big crucial third down and eight. Oh boy, who gets it done here for the Broncos? Drew Lock falling back and man oh man, a great throw here by Drew Lock. Pressure instantly right up the middle here. Drew Lock falling back and he just slings it out. Nice little out route to the left sideline. It gets there and it goes for the first down. Man oh man, great job there by Drew Lock to get get the ball out of his hands quickly. Alrighty, here we go. Next play drew Locke at midfield under center and hands off the ball that goes nowhere Alrighty, this Bengals team is starting to shut down the run So now it's starting to t- fall into drew Locke's hands to get it done Here we go next pass tries to dink it down over the middle of the field And there are defenders drooped all over this receiver He tries to check it down to nothing really open elsewhere And it brings up third down can drew lock convert another Third down here. We go third and 11 folks drew lock dropping back to pass a clean-ass pocket and no Goes to sling it and gets bailed out with a penalty. What do they call pass interference or holding? What do we got? We got defensive pass interference man. Oh, man. I want to take this one from the End zone view because this this looked open and drew lock just appeared to miss him a little bit Let's watch this throw to see the accuracy and see if this was kind of a bailout on pass interference. So drew lock Airs it out in man. Oh, man. Just a little bit. That's a good throw overall. Just a hair a hair Overthrown a little bit, a little bit more out in front of the receiver. Just a tad a hair. Man, oh, man. But they call pass interference. I don't know if I agree with that call. I didn't really see anything too bad on that. But bailed out with the penalty. Interesting. All right, let's go back to the broadcast view and finish up this drive. Here we go. First and ten after getting bailed out by the penalty. Drew Locke back to handing off the ball here. And it goes for about five, six yards. Perfect. Seven yards officially. Jeez. Second and three now. Drew Lock moving the ball. Feeling good. Can he keep it up? Play action. And he's going deep again. Man, oh man. And this is what we know about Drew lock A true gunslinger. The man's a gunslinger, folks. Okay? Slings it down here. Another one-on-one matchup. Not the best thrown. Not really any cha- A slim chance for the receiver to play this one on the boundary. Man. But... Hey, he's being aggressive, and you know, we we love, you know, stretching the field vertically, folks. We ask for it all the time. Um, so I've got no problem with Drew Lock doing that, and that's kind of the best thing about Drew Lock and kind of why we still have a little buyability viability factor in Drew Locke here. On third and three, they hand off the ball. They decide they trust their running game, Javante Williams, more than the passing game on third and three. And yeah, why not? I would kind of think the same thing. Picks up. The The first down uh, keeps the drive moving. They're back. They're running the ball. Melvin Gordon brings them inside the 10-yard line. Fantastic here. A true great back-to-back drive that they were able to get great runs and good passes out of. Here we go. Now in the red zone at the 10-yard line. They hand off the ball. Get about a yard or two. Second and goal from the nine. This is where drew lock must be a hundred percent buttoned up here and drew lock on the read option Keeps the ball and absolutely has it man Handled away from him and this is why we can't buy drew lock hundred percent Yes, we get the good throws, but we also get the turnovers the Interceptions the fumbles and even on those deep balls. They weren't the best thrown folks Those did those didn't look good and if the defender was in better, position to play on the ball most likely a breakup and also defenders getting kind of an opportunity to pick off those not lead, not great thrown balls here, and there's no reason why drew lock should have kept this ball I believe this is a read option. I do not believe this is a designed quarterback keeper um, I don't believe that at all, and Drew Lock decides to keep it, and it's not the right read. The, the edge rusher is playing it and containing it and gets kind of blown up three yards in the backfield and then just has the ball stripped away because Drew Locke is not about that life, so... I mean, these two drives here encapsulate Drew Locke perfectly, not the greatest, yes, you can score off of them, but also you're going to, you know, be at risk for turnovers and turnovers in the red zone and all that, so I don't think you go with Drew Locke, I still think you keep Teddy Bridgewater as the starter. Drew Locke still hasn't really seemed like he's learned from the benching. Davis Mills, the quarterback for the Texans, has gotten better once he got benched for Tyrod Taylor. And then we see Davis Mills back out there and he's looking good. He's cleaned up those mistakes that he made when he had kind of free free range of the quarterback position when Tyrod went down week one. So, Drew Locke, we're just not seeing him make this progress, make the next step. Not kind of, uh, you know, seeing the reasons why he was benched and then fixing them and then getting better. So, I think Drew Locke, we've seen a ceiling. And I don't think that's anything that's kind of starting back caliber in the league, folks. So, still not really on the Broncos With, uh, you know, Drew Locke, and I think Teddy Bridgewater should still be the guy here. Um, and then for this Broncos team, since we're talking about them, I mean, I'm going to put this Broncos team in kind of playoff uh, pretenders. The defense is good. They can kind of hold the teams to, you know, um, manageable points like they did. how the Bengals to 15 points solid there. But the offense here, and it's not all on the quarterbacks, you know, where they're barely utilizing Jerry Judy. Um, You know, we kind of know he's their best receiver. We want to see Tim Patrick a little bit more involved. Cortland Sutton only had two catches on seven targets. Jerry Judy, no catches, four targets. So I just can't buy into the offense that much of the Broncos. We do believe Teddy Bridgewater is better than Drew Locke, but we just don't think that Teddy Bridgewater is the guy here. He's had you know a lot of opportunities to finally get it done, and we just don't see him get it done against the best teams can Consistently, Yes, they win games. They're 7-7, seven and seven, but, um, you know, they just don't show that consistency factor where week in and week out, I'm like, at least we can count on this team to put up points. We really can't. The defense can keep them in the game, but we need the offense to score, and because of that, we're putting the Broncos at the playoff pretender category. Alrighty, we got one more matchup to go over here uh, for today. Anyway, we still got uh, Packers and Ravens, but we can't fit that into today's show. But let's head over to the Saints at the Bucks for our next Wednesday film study uh, breakdown. And why we're going to be looking at this game is because finally, finally, what we've been wanting and asking and clamoring for to get Marquez Callaway more involved in the offense. That's the only thing that we've wanted to see. And that's exactly what we got. Marquez Callaway, leading receiver against the Bucs. And uh, well leading the receiver in yardage and targets. Marquez Callaway, nine targets. Six catches exactly like what we just saw from CeeDee Lamb in Dak Prescott's connection. We're going to watch uh, Taysom Hill this Marquez Callaway. Um, and that also had 112 yards. The second highest leading receiver for the Saints was Traequan Smith with 17 yards. So they were just going to Marquez Callaway over and over and over again to move the ball and that's what we've been saying. He's your most consistent reliable and he can uh, hit the deep ball no problem. And we believe Taysom Hill is accurate enough to throw the ball to Marquez Callaway. you know, 10 times this game. That's fine. That's what we want to see. Same thing with C.D. Lamb, you know, eight, 8-12 targets. That's fine. They're high-volume target receivers. They can do it all. Uh, short routes, deep routes, crossing routes, zigs, comebacks, anything. Um, and then they can make defenders miss in the open field, and they can take the top of the defense. That's why we want Marquez Callaway more involved in the Saints offense because it is a lackluster pedestrian passing offense even with Jameis Winston. But now, is this the turnaround for the Saints offense? They only put up nine points, um, unfortunately. But let's see what the drives were looking like when Taysom Hill was throwing to Marquez Calloway. And should they be building up off, the, up off this performance in getting Marquez Calloway even more involved and in Taylor making the offense really kind of specifically just for Taysom Hill and Marquez Calloway, and then also you can throw Alvin Kamara in there for the running game. Uh, but should that really kind of be the main focus of this offense? Read options, misdirection, getting Alvin Kamara the ball out of the backfield, getting Taysom Hill off the edge out in space, and then having Marquez Calloway take the top off the defense when everybody's pressed up, trying to take away the Taysom Hill run trying to take away that Alvin Kamara dink down that breaks into 20 yards. Uh, I think so. But let's see what we get here. The Taysom Hill Demarcus Marquez Calloway connection. We've got all the uh, plays queued up here. So let's go over these quickly and see what it looks like when Taysom Hill throws the ball to Marquez Calloway and what this offense can do when Marquez Calloway is kind of the focal point of the offense. So here we go. First pass here to Marquez Callaway is the first play of the game here. That's how you get out to a hot start. No. Yes. 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 Love it. Here we go. First play of the game. Taysom Hill dropping back the pass. Buying time. Dumps it down to Marquez Callaway and it goes for eight yards. Yes. Early and often. Get that connection early and often so he can go for the rest of the game. Love it. Yes. Alrighty. Next throw comes in the uh, first quarter, second drive here. We got 750, and it goes big. Third and six, third down, and it goes for 40 yards. Oh yeah, baby! Here we go. Third and six, zero zero game still in the first quarter. Taysom Hill going deep, and boom, boom, boom! Right on the money. Great throw by Taysom Hill. Absolutely on the money. Look at this. Boom. Over the shoulder. Great catch. Able to look it in over the shoulder. That's what we know Marquez Callaway can do. This is why it's so frustrating that it took 15 weeks for finally you to develop the connection, the combo, the offense, and all that. And it goes for 40 big old yards. Let's count the yards here on Taysom Hill's deep ball because this is kind of, you know, one of the knocks we have on Taysom Hill. Not the biggest arm. So he's going to throw this one from the 30-yard line and get it all the way down to the 35. So we got 20 uh, and then another 15. So that's about 35 yards in the air. Um, definitely, you know, we we, we want to see 50, 55. We want to see kind of at least 50. Uh, but, you know, he didn't throw 50 here. So we still, we haven't really seen him throw 50. So we're still kind of saying he can't throw 50. But uh, perfect right here for 35 yards. Absolutely on the money. Marquez Calloway, fantastic. Phenomenal catch. Love it. And then they go right back to him on third and seven. This time it's passing complete here. So they have to settle for a field goal on this drive. Let's see why. Was this on Taysom Hill or on Marcus Callaway? Let's see what they were trying to do here on third and seven. Here we go. And once again, who do you trust on third and seven? Uh, and then it's just Marquez Calloway. Got to make this catch here. seem like good defense to kind of knock the ball away. Marquez Calloway, though, you've got to hold on to that ball. Let's quickly see if we could take this one in the end zone view just to see if we get a better angle from the defenders here. I hope this isn't a drop by Marquez Calloway and it's a little bit more of a better strip by the defender than it is just a drop. And uh, man oh man yeah, it doesn't really seem like it was able to find its way in there Man oh man, as a tight throw to get it in there. One more time, man oh man So, alrighty, we're going to chalk this one up as good defense. Truly wish Marcus Callaway, st- I mean, he still could have made this catch, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it was not a catch, though. Uh, but uh, they settled for a field goal. But once again, I mean that big draw, that big pass, you know, set up the you know three points. So over the overall, we can give them credit for that. All righty, next uh, play up here. We got to go to the next drive. So bingo bango, going to Marquez Callaway. First three drives, yes sir, of the first quarter, getting it acclimated early and often. You love to see it. So here we go, 230, here we go, we get a third and three, so they're going right back to it on third and three, another crucial third down right at midfield, and they go to Marquez Calloway, here we go, Taysom Hill drops back to pass, and there it is, just a nice little comeback route, finds his way in the middle of two defenders, Taysom Hill puts it on the money, and they pick up the first down, keeps the chains moving, keeps the drive moving, and it's Taysom Hill going to you know your number one target we absolutely love it and then here we go on first and 20 we get a 33 yard big play here once again taking the top off the defense let's see what this one looks like play action on first and 20 Taysom Hill going deep and boom there it is um, just a jump ball for Marquez Calloway in the middle of the field Marquez Calloway comes back toward the ball here and that's just wide open these defenders overran it once again Taysom Hill, I don't know if this is just an underthrow or a planned underthrow like this, but Taysom Hill does not have the big arm. He's going to throw this one from the 40 and get it all the way down to the 20. So once again, we're talking about like 30, 40 yards. He does not have the big arm right there. But Marquez Callaway, he's got some nice hands and can jump, folks, like he just did on that ball. So big plays, they can get it done. All right, but then, so the drive stalls a little bit um, after that play. They go pass a complete, pass a complete, and then on third and eight, just an eight-yard pass. So they have to settle for the field goal. But then they don't go to Marquez Callaway until the third quarter now. And they struggle to put up points. They put up no points in the uh, second quarter after they were done throwing the ball to Marquez Calloway so correlation you don't throw to him on your three drives in the second quarter and you don't put up any points it's like alrighty because now they start to go to him in the third quarter they also don't score any points but but you still go to him so okay uh, so here we go next throw to Marquez Calloway we get a third and eight and it's going to be a passing complete let's see what this connection is looking like here A drop by Callaway. Bad throw by Taysom Hill. Good defense. Let's see. The first one was good defense for the incompletion. And here we go. Good defense to get pressure on Taysom Hill. And he throws it to the feet of Marquez Callaway over the middle of the field. This would have been like three yards short of the first down as well. So, not the greatest job there by Taysom Hill. Uh, The drive flounders. They have to punt the ball. All right. Next Pass here. Second drive of the third quarter, 9.05. Trying to do a little bit of a drive starter here. And it's going to be a pass incomplete. So let's see once again. uh, First incompletion. There's three incompletions. First one. Good defense to break it up. Second one, good defense to get pressure on Taysom Hill. Let's see what this last incompletion of Marquez Callaway looks like. And this is just a bad throw by Taysom Hill to try to get the ball around some linebackers in front of him. So overall, great defense, kind of, you know, breaking up the connection and then uh on Taysom Hill. So it falls on the defense first, then Taysom Hill. Really not Marquez Callaway that we have any concerns about. All right, we got two more uh, catches here by Marquez Calloway coming in the fourth quarter uh, where they score the ball here. Once again, you go to Marquez Calloway twice on a drive, you're putting up three points like we just see. So here we go, last two throws. We get 12-0-1 drive starter, 17-yard pass here by Marquez Calloway. Here we go. Uh, Saints up 6-0. It's a fake toss to the left here. Come back to Marquez Calloway wide open, and that's just an easy-peasy 17 yards. And then the last throw to Marquez Callaway coming a few plays later on a first and 10 at Tampa Bay's 37-yard line. Here we go. Marquez Callaway's final contribution of the game. Taysom Hill just a one step drop, and it's Marquez Calloway on a nice slant route, and it goes for about seven yards. Taysom Hill, one step drop, sees it, bingo, bingo, puts it right on the gut, and it still continues to move the ball. They're able to get three points out of it. So this is what we want to see, going to Marquez Callaway early, often, multiple times, deep, short, in between all that. He's your best receiver, and we believe he gives you the best chance to move the ball and score points offensively here. The drives that they targeted them, more often than not, they put up points. Now, they got to get a little bit more cleaned up in the red zone here, but once again, chemistry, connection, that gets better with reps in games and all that. So, also, you know, you're going against the Bucks on the road, division rivals, it's going to be a little bit of a closer game with two great defenses. So, Overall, we still buy Taysom Hill, and because of that, and really honestly, we're going to call this Saints team playoff contenders, folks. The defense gets it done. They have Tom Brady's Bucks number all day long, and as long as Taysom Hill is playing like we kind of have been seeing him these last two weeks, I'm calling this Saints team playoff contenders, folks, especially since this uh, connection between him and Marquez Calloway has been heating up over the last uh, maybe game, <laughs> game and a half. All righty, folks. That is all we have time for today. We're back tomorrow, uh, either around noon Eastern or we will have to do a primetime show. We will keep you updated on that. Um, so we're back tomorrow uh, doing our NBA Daily 10 going a little bit more in depth into the other teams that we have not been able to get to today and seeing if they're Super Bowl contenders, playoff contenders, playoff pretenders, or just absolutely trash. And then we will also try to fit in our last film study looking at Tyler Huntley and seeing if there's anything special about Lamar Jackson. Alrighty, folks, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back tomorrow, folks. Have a great one. We will see.